0: Hey, this is Jason Cass here with Agents Influence Podcast, back with another podcast as we start to wrap it up at the end of the series, The Weird and the Amazing Person. And I do know for a fact this has been a hit. Not only are the number of listens and downloads way up here at Agents Influence, which that's just a normal thing due to you and we thank you for that, But also, we've been getting a lot of feedback from agents who have been agreeing and disagreeing and and voicing their opinion. And whether you agree or disagree doesn't matter. We're trying to get the industry to start thinking about this stuff so that we can start having this communication, whether we agree, disagree, want to know more, want to know less, doesn't matter. It's about starting the conversation and moving it to a national platform so that we can continue to expand on moving this great industry forward. So today we've got another person on, which you're going to love. He's going to talk about a lot of things. He's an insurance agent, but today he focuses full-time. He does have still an agency that he oversees, but he also is just helping agents get leads and grow their business, which is really awesome. And we know a lot of people out there doing this, but notice I don't bring everybody onto the podcast because... Some of them are, have their own selfish motives and their own selfish ways, and, and that's not what I'm about. I'm about us being open and communicating um, just for the betterment of all, because I figure if we do that, then we'll all be better. Just kind of goes with the flow, see there? Um, but, but he is going to talk a little bit about a lot of things, but I, to, I want to mention one thing. He's going to talk about um, acquisition growth versus organic growth, and which is the best. So I want you to keep that in mind because I know that's big for you agents out there right now as far as how can I grow. Well, there's two ways to do it, and he's going to talk about which is the best. So I think you're really going to like that. And then also keep in mind that Agents Influence Podcast is 100% owned by GrowProgram.com. GrowProgram does make money on some of its products, and it uses some of those monies to offset the expenses of Agents Influence Podcast so that you can maintain this uh, voice and you can maintain this platform for you to have a voice Absolutely free. But keep in mind, please go to growprogram.com where you can find the Digital Insurance Marketing Academy where agents every day are learning how to create a social and digital presence online from other insurance agents. Keep that in mind. It's other insurance agents teaching you. The motto of GROW program is for agents, by agents. That's what we're all about. The insurance mastermind, where we have a little over 30 agents um, who are part of the mastermind. We usually get anywhere between 10 to 15 agents. On the second and the fourth Monday at three o'clock Central Standard Time, we meet and discuss pro, pro uh processes and workflows. How should we hire producers? What's the best way to pay them? Um the, the the struggles and the successes going on inside of insurance agencies. That's where we just come together. Um we've got the grow blog. We've got a lot of different things that are at agents and or excuse me, that are at grow program. So find us growprogram.com. It, it's an awesome place we're growing. Um we've got a little over two hundred and forty two Community members now, which is just ginormous. Uh, the last podcast, I think we were around two thirty. So just in the last week or two, we've grown by twelve, and and we thank that, and we thank you for that. But also, that shows me that I'm not wasting my time. I'm actually providing the platform and trying to do everything I can to get your voice nationwide. And I want your voice to be heard so that we can move this industry forward. But keep in mind. Grow program is all about community. That's all it is. It's one spot where everybody can go to learn about how to run your agency. And last but not least, definitely, I am going to be coming out in the middle of fall to the late fall. Will be uh, insurance agent 2020. It's a 2020 vision for how you as an agent and you uh, and your agency need to run and operate in the year 2020. Um, if you want to get a little glimpse of this, go back to February. Uh, back in February, I did a podcast called Social and Digital Business WTF mean why the face and that's where my vision came to life uh, upon dealing with lots of agents inside of lots of agencies um, hundreds literally over the last two years and speaking to thousands of agents over the last two years I've heard their problems I've heard their successes I've heard their failures I heard I've heard their goals their achievements I've heard their um, just the things that they're having a hard time with that the way that they would like to see the industry grow, how to make it better And that's what Insurance Agent 2020 is going to be about. It's going to be about that vision that I have, and I'm going to lay it out clearly for you by speaking to all these other agents, bringing it together in a blueprint so that you understand how you need to be own and operate your agency and operate as an agent in the year 2020. So now let's get on with our podcast, and this guy, I think you're going to like him, and I think he's going to really, really help you when it comes to you looking at things through growth, whether it's organic or through acquisition. So here we go! Hey, here we go. This is Jason Cass Agents Influence Podcast, and here we go with another exciting person today. Ron is, um, he's got an interesting story, and it's just not his last name. Um, and so I want to I wanna just kind of talk to you. I want to introduce you to uh, Ron and let let him get out there. And then, as always, you guys send me your emails, leave comments on the website or however you want to, um, just to see if there's any way that uh, we can create this, some discussion and dialogue about the things that Ron's going to say. Because he's kind of like me, guys, in the fact that he will uh, tiptoe on the border of, uh, as one of my uh, listeners told me, the border of insanity. Because, you know, sometimes in order to get things to move and to get things to change, we've got to kind of move other people and move their cheese and get them seeing things in a new light. So sometimes we got to say it from a different perspective or a different point of view. I like when he talks about his growth um, and how you can do it through acquisition or organically. There's a lot of great things that we talk about here, but this was uh, one part that I really, really loved myself. So I won't keep on going on long, but uh, I'd like to introduce everybody to Ron Story. Ron, if you'd like to say hello.
1: Hello, everybody. Yeah, everything Jason just said. That, that's <laughs> so. right.
0: That's right. Yeah. So as you can see, he's he's full of life and uh, full of go. Uh, you know, the first question I always ask people, Ron, is, uh, and my lo- my listeners seem to love this, is, are you an Apple or are you a Droid user?
1: Oh, I only use Apple stuff. Um, Apple stuff. Okay. Uh, I have a MacBook that I'm using now. I use an iPhone. I made the mistake of buying a Samsung Galaxy Tab tablet that. You know, I should probably just mail it to somebody for free because I never use it. Um, it doesn't work with any of my Apple stuff, so it's a waste of time. I wasted three hundred bucks on that thing. But um, yeah.
0: Let me ask it's- you this: uh, What's uh, an app that you've found lately uh, that you've downloaded lately or recently that you think other people would find uh, amusement with? That you found amusement with?
1: You Are we talking other- about like insurance or business related, or just
0: anything? Overall? Any any kind of app.
1: Here's a a great app that everybody would enjoy just to see how goofy this stuff is and how technology has changed uh, socializing in America. The Tinder app, T-I-N-D-E-R. Download that and you'll have an interesting time with that. Um, But, you know, for those who want to be a little bit more safe, you can probably download the Facebook app or something. But. You want to have some fun, download the Tinder app. It's yes, and, Tinder.
0: And, and we won't go on and on, but yes, I'm familiar with the Tinder app. And you know what it was amazing, Ron? And uh, they David Letterman had some uh, supermodel on or something last week, and, and she started talking about the Tinder app, and he had no idea what it was. And so um, she explained to Dave what it was, and then so Dave kind of looked at her and he said, are you using the Tinder app? And she was like, actually I do. And he was like, wow, are you kidding me? And so it was really amazing. But was even more amazing is she described a couple of her first dates and how she had found these people on Tinder and how Mm -hmm. they had connected afterwards, which if you don't know what the app is, it's kind of hard for you to understand this, but understand it's a way for uh, people uh, to connect with one another. And so um, in, in the simplest form to connect with each other. And so what was amazing was is that he, Dave Letterman, asked her if she had had any second dates. And she was talking about how she actually had had second dates from these guys and that she had had mentioned how after she has the first date, it's usually hard for her to get the second date. And this is like a supermodel You know what I mean And I guess people find out who she is And they're like I, I don't want to talk to you anymore It was really really wild But if th- Thank you very much Ron That was great If you can only tell by what kind of podcast this is going to be He brought up the Tinder app For all you listeners out there Check it out It's a very very interesting app There's um, a
1: There's, a, um, there's a, a great movie called um, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross Right Okay And um, I think it's um, I can't think of the guy's name, but he goes in and he starts screaming at him about, you know, how they're not selling the real estate and ABC always be closing. And the guy's at the coffee machine and he's he tells him, put down that coffee. Coffee's for closers. Um, yeah. Don't pick up the Tinder app because Tinder's for closers. It, it would be a waste of time if you <laughs> you will totally hate it. OK, so I'll leave it at that. Tinder's for closers, though. It's not for people who just want to go on there and find spades players. So um, it's a good, it's fun though. It's interesting, you know?
0: Yeah, it is. That is uh, once again, for you who know who the Tinder app is or those getting ready to find out, that is right. It is for the closers. I, I do have to say that. Um, okay, back back that that was great, Ron. That was uh, I wasn't expecting that. So, Ron, tell tell the listeners a little bit about you, and uh, tell them about you know, I mean, I don't know. Started high school and come to now. Started your college and come to now. Whatever. Yeah, and just tell I, them I how you a, got
1: where you are. Well, I mean, I'm born and raised in East St. Louis. I still live there now. I still own some property there. Um, I'm not ashamed of being from East St. Louis. Nobody ever believes me when I tell them that I'm from East St. Louis. So most of the time I introduced myself as being from Ireland, um, but born and raised in East St. Louis. Um, I was in high school and everybody said, oh, you like to draw. And one of my um, teachers, um, Hermit, uh, Homer Simmons, gave me a, a drawing like an a architect's type of arm, type of thing, a drafting arm. And I started drafting houses. And he's like, oh, man, you should, you should go to school to be an engineer. And I went to U of I in engineering and I failed out the first year because I, I didn't know what engineers did and I didn't know all of this math crap was going to be that hard. So I took the advice of someone else, which I don't have anything against Homer for, being a, uh, for in, telling me what I should do. I, I didn't know I was a kid. You try things. Right. But I failed out of engineering um, and I went on to um, go to school in the summertime and um, started taking some business classes. Started a business when I was nineteen. The idea was ripped off. Um, someone ripped off the business and actually built the business. But I learned a lot of lessons. I went on to um, work at the Northwestern Mutual for two years while I was in college as an insurance agent. After that, I came to St. Louis and worked for the Quality Group downtown at Northwestern Mutual. Had some some good and some bad from that. I learned a lot, but I realized that I was too a bit too innovative for. Certain companies' business systems, where Northwestern Mutual is really faced focused around doing um, more family planning, and they thought that that was the way that I should go. Where in reality, I wanted to do more larger cases with churches and charitable giving and things like that, because you know they say you make in the insurance business you're going to make um, on average whatever your your customers made, right? And being from me St. Louis, I was on a path to make about thirty grand a year selling insurance because all of my customers were just families who were single single families that wanted term insurance. I would have to sell a million term policies in order to make a decent living, and I didn't want it. I didn't want that type of life. I wanted to sell bigger policies, and the bigger the in most inner cities, the um, biggest businesses in any inner city is either a liquor store or a church, and a lot of the um, people from Asia own the liquor stores, and they're not trying to deal with me. But all the pastors would talk to me because they were African-American men just like I was. They just happened to run the religious business instead of the liquor store. So I was able to talk to them about um, you know, funding their retirement plans and using some high-level life insurance in order to pay the church back when they passed away. So the church kind of looked at it as an investment. Uh, we used to call it Choli, Charitable Owned Life Insurance is what we were doing. Northwestern Mutual was like, ah, we don't want you doing that, you know. And I'm like, okay, I'll go somewhere else. And um, I started looking around, and um, eventually I made my way out to Virginia Beach, Virginia, where I was running eight all-state agencies, um, doing all the financial advising for those eight agencies. And um, we created a simple system that, um, where we were doing pretty well, um, and The guy from the marketing department at Allstate called me and said, hey, we see you're turning in a certain number of policies from these low-income families. How are you doing it? And um, I went up to Chicago. I showed them what we were doing. They paid me a small sum of money for the research I had done in order to turn that system into, if you Google it, you'll see the personal security Builder. That was my stuff. Um, They modified it, but you can Google it. I mean, I'm the guy who created the personal security builder for Allstate back in 2005.
0: What was that Um, called again?
1: Personal security builder. Okay. If you Google it, it comes up as a PowerPoint presentation now. I don't even know if they still use them in the agency, but it was a part of a system called the transfer of influence. And um, you know, part of that was my stuff that I was using in Virginia Beach. Um, I was on a path to do pretty well, and I said, you know what, the – um, the commission requirements are the premium requirements to get the maximum contract from Allstate as a financial specialist was three times higher than what it is for an agent. So I said, well, why am I being a financial specialist? Why don't I just get an agency and then I don't have to make, you know, I don't have to produce three times the amount to get the same commissions. Right. And Allstate basically said, hey, you, you could do that, but we won't let you do it in this area because you'll be competing with the agencies that you were just working with so we actually would require you to leave the state. You can do it in another state, but we wouldn't give you an agency. We wouldn't let you own an agency outright on the property and casualty side um, if you um, are going to do that, you know, go and own an agency instead of just be the financial specialist guy. Um, so I came back to St. Louis and um, didn't get right into insurance right away, actually. I came back to St. Louis and I started a concert promotion business.
0: A concert? music?
1: Yep. So we were promoting concerts and I... I mean it was interesting stuff man. I mean I got to meet some great people. Um one of the one of my mentors today. Um he produces at one point he was producing 2000 shows a year. Um and he still does some of the biggest names. I won't mention his name because he likes to stay behind the scenes, but most of the people that you see out front, he's probably behind the scenes promoting those concerts. Um I also ended up doing some partnership work with the um the, the head of sponsorship for the Elvis estate. How cool is that? So everything you saw Elvis Presley on this guy uh, by the name of Mike, um, he was responsible for all those Elvis Shasta sodas and the Reese's peanut butter cups. Anything that had Elvis on it, he probably closed that deal. Um, wow. So we did that. And then I became the district manager for Farmers Insurance over Illinois and Iowa. And I you know, drove 76,000 miles a year. To visit agencies in Des Moines, Iowa, all the way down to Metropolis, Illinois, so um, I know the insurance business pretty well. Um, I still teach the licensing class up in Belleville. so if you ever come and get a life and health license uh, at educational concepts in Belleville, I, I teach that class every two weeks or so. but I'm not even though I own an agency, I'm not active in an agency at this point. Um, I don't do a lot of selling. Um, I have an agency so that I can get paid off of what my agents sell, but other than that, I'm not out prospecting for clients or anything.
0: So then what are you doing? What would you declare your full-time job, gig? What do you do on a daily basis? Let's put it that way.
1: Full-time on a daily basis today, we create software. Um, I own a software company called Lead Warmer, where we help insurance agents and other business owners to uh, follow up with their leads. So um, we know that only 3% of leads close on the first contact, but 91% of sales are closed after five contacts. So that's simple math. If you think about it, you say, hey, if only 3% of people are gonna buy the first time, why not just keep in contact with them? And um, 48% of people only make two phone calls. They give up after the second phone call. Like I can almost promise you that, actually the stats wrong, 48% of people only call once. And over 90% of people are done after the second phone call. So, um, you know, we like to help people to take advantage of that. And what we mean is just stay in contact with the people via email, via social media, via text message. We've created some software that um, will allow that to happen. But we also create the content for you. So you're not required to write any emails or think of anything clever to say. Um, we write compliance-approved messages that can go out to your customers and um, keep you top of mind, so that when that auto renewal comes up, they think about you. Or, you know, maybe you mentioned life insurance today, and they have a kid that's on the way in six months. They'll think about you when the kid's born. Um, that's our job. We're kind of like the um, the wingman for the insurance agent. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we'll we'll like keep in that. touch. I heard you
0: me. say that before, Ron. And so, if anybody's familiar, obviously you probably are if you're listening to this podcast. Ron and uh, Ron and Story and Jason Cass have two companies that that crisscross lines, um, and and I and I really think that that's really good because what you're hearing from him is is lead warmer, correct? I always want to call it lead burner. I don't know why that is. No,
1: it's, it's lead warmer. We don't want to burn the leads up. Yeah, I know. That's I what want to say that's that, what though. poor marketers do. Poor marketers burn up their leads right you know, they they just burn through them and they never follow up. We don't want to do that. We want to warm the leads up. We want to turn cold leads into high clients.
0: Well, and the one thing we found, and I think you you just hit it on the head. Not only do you have the software that you've that you know works, but you, the key is is I think I've heard you say, lead with the software but un- help them sell the people understand the people if I'm correct because mm-hmm. it's all really it's not about the software it's about you actually running it is that right Exactly yeah
1: i mean the software does nothing i mean if nobody ever touches it guess what it's not going to do anything It's true but it's it's understanding who your customers are having a conversation with someone that can help you put together a marketing plan and then executing the plan we all have great plans but it's execution you know um and sometimes it's just getting off of our ass and just starting um You know, we all struggle with it. I have a podcast where I've recorded over, I mean, it's close to 100 episodes now. And guess where they all are? They're still on my computer. I haven't uploaded them yet, which is ridiculous. I have almost two years' worth of content if I wanted to do a weekly podcast. But, you know, every once in a while somebody comes by and they they kick me in the balls because I didn't um, follow up or I haven't put their episode out. So um, I totally understand what it, you know, the struggle when you have so many things going on. But um, I think that if something can be automated, it should be, right? Right. If you can automate your follow-up with all of your customers or with all the leads that you're buying, you should automate that follow-up. You shouldn't um, try to do it manually when someone else can help you to do it or they have some software that can can do it for you. Um, I guess the best example is this. If I can meet with someone and sell, um, let's say, a $1,000 life premium, and let's say my company is getting paid 80% commission, right? If I can do that five times a week and, you know, make $4,000, but let's say it takes me 20 hours to, to generate that, you know, those, those meetings to sell that, you know, that, um, that $4,000 worth of commissions, I mean, that's still at about 200 bucks an hour. So if I can pay someone $10 an hour to do anything in my life where I can spend more time doing the $200 an hour stuff... I should be doing the $200 an hour stuff. So if you can pay us or you whoever, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month for us to follow up with all of your leads, it just makes sense versus you trying to do it yourself. I mean, I hate writing emails, right? So I have people that write the emails for me. I don't even reply to my own email, you know? So, you know, I don't write any emails. People say, how can you run an email marketing company when you don't write emails? Because I pay other people to write them for me. If you want more than one sentence in an email from me, it's probably not from me. It may have my name on it, but I didn't write it, you know? I mean, I just don't have time to write emails, you know?
0: Right, right. And not only that, I mean, there's probably people out there that only that you can pay less than than what you would have to do it for, but are probably better than you. I mean, I think that's what a lot of agents try to do as well. They try to do everything themselves because they think, oh, I'll be able to save some money here or there. But just in the example you gave, if you're if you're making $200 an hour, what in the heck would you sit down and want to do some simple task for an hour or two that you could pay somebody else? I mean, it's only common sense. And I think we all hear that, but I think we don't put it together sometimes as to as to what could be done. I got I got I was talking to an agent or a, an agency owner and he was telling me about this cat that he had just brought into his office. And, and the thing that was crazy was, Ron, is he brought this guy in and he tells me, he says, you see this kid right over here? He's 24 years old. This kid's a rainmaker He's a rainmaker I mean, he's been here now for, I don't know exactly how long, six months, whatever. And he is absolutely bringing it in. Now, here's what I want you to do, Jason. I want you to teach him all that sales and marketing stuff that you do because I'm going to have him do it for our agency. And I'm thinking to myself, why would you do that if this guy is a rainmaker? And I don't even care if it's just a normal CSR who's sitting behind the desk, you know, I mean, and just doing her job like she's supposed to. Why would you have her do that if you could get somebody else to do it and and not have to worry about it? It does it just it just blows my mind, Ron. And I know you're, you're hearing these same type of things. I mean, it just doesn't. I think, and it's okay because I'm an agent and you're an agent. We can make fun of agents and beat each other up because I think it's only getting this word out and making us see how silly this is before we you know, are going to get it corrected.
1: Well, I think a lot of times what we run into is most agents aren't running their agency like a business. A lot of them are running it like a job. So when you have a job, you don't think about investing in your agency. I mean, you don't think about investing in the company. All you think about is doing whatever you need to do to get the things accomplished. And um, the, the really good agents who run their agency like a business, and I'm not insulting anybody. I'm just being honest. Yeah, that's they, what we they've need They've invested honesty. They've invested money in growing that business. I mean, they don't see it as, oh, well, this is, I'm not going to pay 400 bucks a month for this or $1,000 a month for this. They see it as, if I put in $1,000 a month, what's my ROI? How much am I going to get out of this? So they've invested in systems. They've bought software. They've bought people. And what I mean by buying people, not in the slavery sense, but in the sense of they right. bought the person's time. Yep. You know, t- A person's time is the cheapest thing to get. right? People won't sell you their pinky finger for a million dollars. right? If I offered you a million dollars for your pinky finger, you probably would say no. But you will rent me your body, your full body, for 40 hours a week for 15 bucks an hour.
0: Oh wow. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Like
1: it's ridiculous. Like the cheapest thing the cheapest resource I have is people who don't value their time.
0: It's true. Wow. Yeah. Good one. Good one. I, I I that that's a good one. So, so I mean
1: as a business owner, they have to understand that it's an investment. It's not it's not a cost, right? Um there's a lot of things that we do that cost us money and we justify it all the time. But the things that are great investments are things that we can measure an ROI on and I think agents need to think of their businesses as an investment you know if they have to go and borrow money to grow the business they should this is the best time in history to be acquiring agencies Why? because there's a um, the average age of a property and casualty agent is 59 years old right you know most people I teach the insurance class and people they come in and they wanna start from scratch with some other place and I'm like Okay, let me give you two options. You can start from scratch or you can go buy a place that already has three employees and it's already generating income and you don't have to know anything about insurance and you'll make $70,000 this year. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, all you need is 5% down. You got 5% of whatever the agency costs. Agen- agencies are going for one and a half to two times revenue now. So if the agency is bringing in 200 grand, you could probably get it for three or four hundred thousand dollars. What's five percent of that? Fifteen grand? Fifteen,
0: twenty grand, yeah. Put
1: fifteen thousand dollars down, the agent will finance twenty percent of it, the SBA will guarantee seventy five percent of the loan, spread it out over ten years, the agency's paid off. You go into it with the with an income. If you already own an agency, you should be expanding, buying agencies all the time. Um, just forget trying to compete with your customers. I mean with your with your um, your um, competition in the area, just buy them. A lot of them are old anyway. I mean, and I'm not being critical of the older guys, but I'm sure that that's they true. want to retire. Right. You know, most of the agents I know who are over 60, their kids are already successful someplace with their careers. They may be engineers or lawyers or doctors. They're not giving up their job at Boeing to come and run dad's agency. So dad has a depreciating asset that's going down every single year until some young guy comes in and buys it from him and he should be you know anybody under under 60 should be buying agencies and actually i would say anybody anybody who has a license should be buying agencies you know why because if you buy an agency it's already producing it already has employees there so instead of selling my agency for 2x i would rather buy four more agencies and be able to hire a manager so i can have a retirement plan. If i only got 200 grand coming in from the agency, i can't retire off of $400,000. I can i can survive for maybe 4 years. Right. But i can't survive off of 400 grand after taxes. But if i just used my knowledge about running an agency and i acquired more agencies, i could retire and then pass an asset onto my kids down the road. So That's this right. is the best time in history to be buying agencies because the agency force is old, and they're looking to get out. But for the innovative older people, they could be acquiring agencies right now.
0: That and is awesome. That is their
1: retirement plan. But we're probably off topic. But I mean, no, we're not. No,
0: we're not because we because I brought you on because the reason why I find you amazing and to agents they would consider you weird is because you were thinking like a business owner. Everything you're talking about, Ron, is a business owner. I mean, you're talking like, hey, guys, let's methodically think this out. I mean, a guy who wants to sell his agency at two times, who's going to make $400,000, just like you said, rather than going and buying three and creating a retirement, you can't live off 400000 but you could re- live off those four. That makes total sense. Um, do you think it's also maybe because, um, I mean, with that being so simple, why is why are agents not doing something like that? Why do they what not they- believe in
1: themselves or what? No, they just—I just don't think that it's talked about, right? Everybody thinks you have to start from scratch. If you, most agents don't come in as an independent agent; they come in working for someplace else, and then they run away from the plantation, and they go independent, right? But they don't. Most agents started. Most agents who are independent started with another company. It's true. Where they got their feet wet. It's true. And nobody at those other companies are ever talking about buying agencies. And when you go to a local bank. They don't finance books of businesses at local banks, so there's no way to really get the financing without putting your house up if you go through conventional means. But with this great website called Google, you can find people all over the world that will finance the purchase of an insurance agency using the book of business as collateral. Um, that's how I found out about it. You know, right. so there are some great people who do this. Um, there's Oak Tree up in Indiana. And there's a girl named Michelle Lash over there who does this. There's another company down in Texas called SpringTree, and Sam Patterson down there. They're both good friends of mine. I mean, this is all that they do is finance agencies.
0: And then they, and and then the reason why banks don't want to do it though, it usually has to do with the collateral is really not real collateral, right? I mean, well, it's
1: it's well, I mean, cash I mean, flow is real collateral. It's real, but you I know mean, what I mean? It's not. But they don't. It's not real estate. Right. Right. Banks. Banks want to see real assets they can liquidate. You don't need a you don't need a real estate license to buy a piece of property at a foreclosure. Right. But you need an insurance license to buy a book of business. And that's one of the things that they really don't understand. But there are some innovative bankers out there who understand how this works and they figured it out. So, I mean, and I'm not speaking, you know, because, oh, well, I'm trying. No, I've gone through the process. I know what it's like. You know, right. um, so I'm not just saying, oh, well, yeah, you can do this. I heard this guy talk about it. No, I've sent in my tax forms. I've gotten approved for loans. I've done it. You know, it's not just right. wah, 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 wah. <laughs> you, know, you hear a bunch of people talking crap, and they've never gone through the process, you know. Um, you know, I've, I've, I don't just look at the toilet. I've used it, you know. Um, so, but I think that one of the other reasons that people um, don't do this is because we as agents, we wanna we have egos, right? And we like to be the smartest person in the room, right? Mm-hmm. Insurance agents, um, investment guys, lawyers, and doctors. All of these professions require the professional to be the smartest person in their particular domain. But I guarantee you, if you go into an all-state agency or a state farm agency, most of the time they've have they have them set up where the agent who owns the agency isn't doing all the transactions right right? they're not trying to be the smartest person in the room they're really breeding them to be great business owners but the independent guys don't don't look at it that way they still want to have their hand on every customer instead of paying someone a little you know a little bit more than normal to just run that whole thing for them so we gotta get you really have to get out of the hot dog stand mentality right you know, we kind of run it like the hot dog stands in New York. You know, there's one guy, he's putting the mustard on every hot dog. He's dipping them and he's doing, yeah, but he could make so much more money if he just bought a bunch of hot dog stands and put people out there. Let his kids play with hot dogs. You don't at 50, you shouldn't be making hot dogs. You should be owning multiple hot dog stands with teenagers selling hot dogs on the corner.
0: Very true, very that's true. Just my thoughts. So that's, no, 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 it is very good.
1: Story rant. Sorry no, about no, that.
0: No, 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 it is, and it's, and it's good, and it's the reason why I brought you on. I mean, you and I have talked many times. Every time you come on and you make me think about different things, it's one of the reasons why I don't really have nothing to say right now. I'm thinking about the things that you're saying, and I know that the listeners are as well. But um,
1: Jason, okay. where are you at? Centralia, right?
0: I'm in Centralia,
1: yeah. I guarantee you there's an old guy who hates his agency, but he can't leave because it's his only source of income. That in Centralia, if you had your accounting office, don't send him a letter yourself because he do not want to hear it from you. Send it to, have your accountant, not a, not a CPA, an accounting firm, a KPMG, a Ruben Brown, a big reputable accounting, fir- accounting firm. Send him a, an anonymous letter saying that we have a client that is interesting in purchasing your agency. We, we verify the assets and he would like to make you an offer. If you're interested, give us a call. I guarantee you, if you send that to 10 agencies in your city, eight of them will, will call you back and say, what does what he offer, right? And a lot of them will finance it. No money down. Like, I missed the biggest agency purchase of my life. And I can't tell you the city because I don't want to give the guy up. But he had like 7,000 clients. And he's like, Ron, I'm trying to get out of the business. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I was working for farmers at the time. So I really wasn't hip to this whole purchase thing. And he's like, you, you're interested in buying a property and casualty agency? I'm like, nah, I'm good with my farmer's job for right now. I, I'm learning a lot. So I'll, I'll just keep this job, you know. He's like, I'll tell you, I'll make you a great deal. He sold the agency, right? And took back 90% of the loan himself. Wow. He, it didn't even require a bank. The guy just gave him 10% down, and he took back 90% of the loan over the next 10 years. Wow. And he stayed working there as the agency owner. He didn't even quit. (laughs) He became a salaried employee after he sold the agency. Wow. So these deals are out there. And I missed that one, and that was the the lesson that I learned. Once I missed that deal, I said, you know what? I'm never building anything from scratch ever again. I'm going to buy stuff. You know? So I put in offers for large agencies all across the country. Anybody who's listening, you want to sell your agency? Call me. You know, I hey, how do the they get a hold of
0: you, Ron? Ron, how do they get a hold of you as we wrap this up?
1: Oh, you can find me um, on Twitter at at Ron Story Junior. You can email me. Just Google Ron Story Junior. All of my stuff comes up. You want to call me on the phone? Uh, hit me up with an email first because I don't want to put my phone number on the. That's uh, fine. Worldwide web. And but, if you don't uh,
0: even want to put your email out there, people can just find you, Ron Story Jr. No,
1: no, they can find me, Ron Story Jr. at Gmail, Ron Story Jr. at Imail, Ron Story Jr. at Yahoo, Ron Story Jr. at iCloud. It's, I own Ron Story Jr. I own it. If you can't figure that out, go to ronstoryjr.com. I own that too. <laughs> I mean, I'm everywhere, right? So you can email me at me at Ron Story Jr. I'm, I'm Ron Story Jr. I'm on YouTube everywhere. You can go to leadwarmer. I'm on you can go to leadwarmer.com I'm there you know
0: Yeah okay okay but, but,
1: Yeah I mean I don't know what this conversation was about but it seems as if it turned to a conversation about why people should be buying agencies but
0: you know it didn't it didn't it, it what it's about is it's about you know we can talk about that that's one of the things but it's all about seeing it as a business it's all about seeing it as hey I don't own an agency I own I own a business is what I do and, and, I, and I just have the theory that agents don't really care so much about running it as a business because their whole mentality is as long as I keep selling it doesn't really matter what happens behind me. It doesn't matter what my retention is or what my expenses are because if someone tells me at the end of the month hey we need to create more money I just go make more money. And I think a lot of other businesses think that way. Well, we'll just sell more products. But they also realize that that's a lot harder to do when you're working with a product over multiple audiences and people. I could be wrong, but that just seems like to me that it just it just looks like that the, that's always been an agent's thing is, is well, I can just go sell more.
1: Well, it, it's, it's, a, it's an entrepreneurial thing. And the one thing that I had to learn, and this was some of the best advice that I ever got, you know, it was that um, – I didn't want to, I I should just want to own the trains and let someone else make sure that they run on time. And you think about a company like Apple, right? Apple has a hundred billion dollars in cash. They could have built their own headphones, right? But they decided, you know what, why don't we just buy a headphone company that already is out there? Most growth comes from acquisition. It does not come from aggregate growth trying to prove and take something away from someone else. Jason, I don't want to take your customers. You know why? Because that's too hard. It's easier for me to buy them from you. Right? If I try to compete with you in the growth the growth systems or, you know, your company, that's too hard because we all offer the same things. But you know what's easier for me to do? Say, Jason, I'll give you 300 grand for your company right? and now I got them. Right? That's an easier transaction. It is. You know? So a lot of times in in the insurance world, we could acquire other agencies a lot better than pooping on them and saying, oh, well, you know, they're not as good as us. Just buy them. Then you don't have to worry about it. (laughs) It's true.
0: It's very true. It's very true. Ron, are you a reader?
1: Yeah, I read probably two books a week.
0: Okay. Give me me one of the latest books that you've read. This is always the last question we ask on the podcast.
1: Yeah. I mean, the last book I finished was called The Intelligent Entrepreneur. Um, another one. Oh, well, it's about how, um, four Harvard business grads went out and started military.com, uh, salesladders.com, hotjobs.com. And then this makeup company. Um, it's just interesting about how they, how they scaled the business, right? Not just getting a product out there and trying to be the sales guy, but building a team around it, putting a board of advisors, raising millions of dollars, acquiring their competitors, it's just about acquisition strategy. Another good book um, that I think everybody should read is How to Get Rich by Felix Dennis. Um, he he is an amazing entrepreneur. Um, Felix Dennis owns Maxim magazine, PC World magazine. I mean, he owns the licenses um, to all of the. He, he owns the worldwide license to any Bruce Lee magazine. So any magazine you've ever seen Bruce Lee in it, he owned the rights to that magazine and probably printed it. Wow. Um, so his name is Felix Dennis. It's called How to, how to Be Rich. Um, and it's one of the best books in history. And it's not about some, you know, scammy crap. It's just how did he build, how did a guy with no education and no money build this worldwide billion dollar magazine empire? And he just did deals and he didn't try to build it organically. He bought people. If you can't tell, that's what I believe. I right, know. My business is, is the transaction of other businesses.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. It, it, and, and, you know, it, it comes through that way. And, you know, obviously what comes through a lot of the ages is your entrepreneurial spirit with you doing all the different things that you do. Um, you know, it just, uh, I think that's what makes you success. That's what makes you happy though.
1: You know, well, I mean, lead warmer is business number 28. Right. I mean, I've been doing this since I was 19. I mean, you know, in the, in the early part, I didn't talk about all the things that I did in between insurance was always my main deal. Like that's where my main money came from, but I've been doing other deals on the side. Right. A lot of them have failed. A lot of them have been well, but you know, nobody asks. when you make a billion dollars, nobody says, Man, tell me about all your failures. Nobody cares. True. <laughs> I only got to get it right once.
0: That's true. It's <laughs> very true, man. Ron, you've been great having on. I, I greatly appreciate it, man, um, you taking your time. And I think there will be a lot of people. Once again, just look for Ron Story Jr. Just Google it. Go to ronstory.junior.com. It doesn't really matter. It's him. It's him. Do um, you have anything last you want to close with, Ron? Any, any words of wisdom? Anything that you want to say to the followers?
1: No, just just start whatever you're doing. Just just start at it. And um, most most people don't win because um, what what's the saying? Um, nobody starts off great, but you can never be great if you don't start. Right. Ooh, most like people that. just win the, the war of attrition. <laughs> they just stay in longer than everybody else. You know, it's not that they were better. They just didn't quit. You know, it's true. And, you know, so sometimes being stubborn and and being consistent will um, beat any intelligent person who's smart enough to quit.
0: All right. Fantastic. Thank you, Ron. I appreciate your time. I really do. And uh, and and uh, once again, if you want to reach out to him, Ron Story Jr., uh, just just put it into Google, you'll find him I did it while we were uh, on this call and believe me, he's everywhere I've also looked him up before and keep in mind, I want to thank everybody for listening to another podcast from Agents Influence, um, please keep in mind, like I talked about at the beginning of the podcast, please, if you would, find us on iTunes, also find us on Stitcher please leave us a review you know, I spend a lot of my time and all my money trying to do everything I can to spread the word to you which I'll continue to do, Um whether you do anything or not. The only thing I do ask on on, is, uh, on the level of currency from you is for you to visit some of us at, at Stitcher and at iTunes and leave us a review. Those are very, very important for us to uh, keep perpetuating and keeping this voice rolling forward so that we can continue to move this industry forward. This has been Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast. Be sure to check us out at growprogram.com. I am out.